I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. world and welcome back to another episode of thanks for coming in i'm your host jillian claire how are you all this week i have been on a major reading kick um i've read the first four bridgerton books in the past couple of weeks and um i'm just obsessed i'm waiting i guess the shipment for the next four is gonna be here tomorrow thank the heavens because i'm gonna devour those this weekend that's my weekend plans I've also realized that every single fiction book I've read this year has been set in London, and uh, I'm just, I'm always upset that I, I wasn't born in London. Really gotta yell at my parents for that one. Here's some fun news for you. A film that I was in called Vinyl Child with Creed Bratton and Patrika Darbo, they played my parents in it. It's, uh, it's out now. You can rent it via Ganala Productions. I believe it's on Vimeo and a few other places, and I think it's going to be out there in the world on DirecTV and, and all that. But hey, go watch it. It's uh, it's really cute. It's fun. We had a great time filming it. We even got to film at the Santa Monica Pier and go on the roller coaster, which was super dope. 
And uh, it was really fun to to film with Creed and Patrika. We had a great time. Short films are always uh, a blast because it's obviously a short amount of time to film it, you know, four days. But it was it was a lot of fun. We had a good time and uh, it's a cute movie. Go watch it. You can also find uh, links and where you can watch it and all that stuff at VinylChildMovie.com. Today on the show, we have Adam MacArthur. You've heard his voice in Star vs. the Forces of Evil, Jiu-Jitsu Kaisen. I think I said that right. <laughs> uh, we had a great time talking. Really fun dude and uh, super, super talented. So here's my conversation with Adam MacArthur. Welcome to the show, Adam. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know, I, every time someone welcomes me to their show and I say, how's it going? I'm always like, everyone says, how's it going at the beginning of a podcast? And I'm always <laughs> mad that I do it. But for some reason, I can't help but do it. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good, except for that. I feel like I, I wish that. I had, yeah, except for that. I'm good. <laughs> Should I just edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> now you can't because then it will just be you'll just hear nothing. I've said nothing True. except addressing the fact that I asked you. How's it going at the beginning of this podcast? <laughs> I know, but I feel like it's always like the the icebreaker that you need to start the conversation so that it's not like completely awkward talking to somebody you don't know and not seen either. I guess you're right. I, it is a, a very nice momentum maker, if if you will. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, are you in L.A. or are you on the East Coast? I'm in L.A. Yep. You're I'm in, in LA. L.A. And I'm like one of seven people who haven't left during the global pandemic. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I just keep seeing people's like posts on Instagram and stuff like being out and like going to outdoor dining. And I'm like, <sighs> no, I am. I am far too scared. Yep. yep. I cannot leave my house. I'm I Exactly. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I was asked to, to do a, a job recently and I, I said, no, I just don't think it's safe. I don't think it's safe. I stay in my house. I have. I so like a there's a loose. there's a project that I'm on right now and I'm it's the only thing that I've done during the pandemic where I'm actually going into a recording studio for. Mm. And we we had to like there was lots of talk about like, oh, what are the precautions? What are what are you mm -hmm. doing in order to make sure that this is going to be OK? And right. uh, yeah, but I, know I mean, but that's the way to do it, because I see like I have a lot of friends in, in the indie filmmaking world and I, I know people who are making independent films right now. And in my brain, I'm thinking, oh. Your $250,000 budget cannot cover PPE for everybody, cannot cover testing. There's no way. There's no. absolutely no way. Yeah, I know. It's scary. But I also feel like it's been so long, too, at this point that if you haven't been directly affected, you're kind of like, well, this is just how it is, you know, and you're mm -hmm. you're willing to take more risks. But it's just you got to you just got to be so careful. It's only a matter of time, really. It's true. And we're we're so close to the end of this thing, or at least, you know, seemingly to so, seeing yeah. a little bit of light. Like totally. I just like hang on for a couple more months, guys, and then we can do things again, maybe. Well soon. we we forget so quickly. Like last October, everything was starting to open up and it was like mm -hmm. oh, we have our freedom back. And then yeah. all of a sudden every you know, it was worse. In December it's like, Oh, the the numbers are worse. <laughs> LA, yep. one in three people have had COVID and you're like, What the you're looking around at everyone like that. Oh. I know. It's like you, <laughs> you look at everybody COVID? like they're a leper. Yeah. You got the cove, man. Yeah. I got the, <laughs> you got the cove, dude. <laughs> it's true that we keep on like opening up and then closing again because the numbers get worse. And it's hysterical when they open, start opening things up again. Like last week, everyone was like, yeah, but the numbers are great. I'm like, yeah, because we've been staying home. Yes. So now you're going to open it up and then it's going to be worse again. Exactly. Yeah. It's frustrating. Okay. 
It's fresh. Well, what's uh, what's the project that you're working on right now? Can you talk about it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I'm on a an anime actually called Jujutsu Kaisen. It's sort of like a, the biggest anime coming out of Japan right now, which is really wow. awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm working on that. Episodes air weekly for that. Uh, the dubbed episodes air weekly. Um, on Crunchyroll, which is like an anime streaming service, mm-hmm. and then also HBO Max. Um, I voice a character on that show named Yuji Itadori. He's like, he's the main character. He's, he's such a good boy. He's just, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's this, uh, he's this kid who's basically his sole motivation. Cause you know, anime, you can boil everyone's motivation down to like one sentence. Yes. Uh, is to just help people. So Aww. he, he goes to like, I mean, and then you, you amp that up on like an anime scale. So, right. you know, in order to help people, he has to like swallow a cursed finger from a demon who's plagued the world for like ever and get powers to then protect his friends and all this stuff so yeah it's a it's a really wild adventure but it's 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 super fun it's got a lot of comedy it's got horror it appeals to like if you're into like the supernatural stuff it Mm -hmm. appeals to that so it uh it's been it's been a lot of fun to work on that's so cool. I love anime. I'm a big um, Miyazaki fan. Awesome. And uh, I loved Death Note, too, before they uh, turned it into the awful live action <laughs> thing yes. that they did. I don't even know what that is. Yes. It's just weird. Um, <laughs> but I love anime. And I think it's such a such an interesting form of expression because it's just it is so different and it's its own thing. And I, I really appreciate that about the genre. Yeah. What's cool is like in Japan. I mean, you know, here a lot of like, you know, Western cartoons are considered for children. Like there are, mm-hmm. it's either for kids or you've got Adult Swim where it's like, oh, this is an adult right. cartoon or you got, you know, stuff like The Simpsons or like Steven Universe or whatever. Um, in Japan, they literally have genres and types that are f- meant to be for every age. Like, oh, this mm. is for uh, uh, male and female in their early 20s or this is like for adult men. This is, you know, and right. obviously anyone can like anything and that's totally fine. But as far as like just breaking appealing down, demographics. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's it's interesting with anime, too. I feel like at least my first introduction and I don't even know if it would be called anime would be like Pokemon. But I feel like that. Oh, yeah, that's anime. I feel like that was the first introduction for me as a child. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. Like, I remember, I mean, I remember Dragon Ball Z and, like, mm. uh, uh, one of them called Ranma Half when I was in high school. Um, but as far as, like, really, really getting in and, like, being like, oh, this is awesome, for me, it was Pokemon, too. It was awesome. I mean, Pokemon was the best. I still have my Pokemon cards. Do you? Oh, you're balling, then. You're like, <laughs> no wonder you haven't left L.A. You're like, I don't need to do anything else. I can just live <laughs> off the riches that I've saved <laughs> since my I know. childhood. I definitely need to, like, look into if I can sell them because I feel like I probably have, like, some good, like, Charizard cards that oh are worth God. something or something like do you, that. I don't know. Do you have any kind of awareness of the value that no. certain po- Okay. <laughs> Okay, let me just tell you. Listen, yes. do, do do with this knowledge what you will, but okay. make sure you take it to somebody trustworthy and you don't just like send it off to have someone look at it or grade right. it or whatever. Because uh, a lot of those original cards are worth a ton of money, especially if they're in good shape. So, you know, oh, yeah, they're like sitting in a book somewhere all all perfectly in their like plastic little things. Dang. I know. I need to sell them. I also thought that Beanie Babies were going to be a big selling thing oh, at one point no. too, so I saved all of those, and I don't think that that's yeah. going to work out for me. 
Yeah, during a uh, during this uh, pandemic time, my uh, parents, you know, we like go through the oh, I'm gonna build up my office and I'm gonna yeah. clean out my shed and all this stuff. So <laughs> yes. my pa- my parents were like, "Hey, you have 23 storage bins of toys at our house, and we need you oh, to man. get them out of here." And I was like, "Okay, cool, like bring them down." So my parents drove down, and uh, they brought me my all my childhood toys. So I too had like some old Pokemon toys, mm-hmm. whatever. And there was a, a giant storage bin dedicated to beanie babies and i'm not kidding you there were like 300 of them and i'm there i'm with you (laughs) i mean i find it very fun to like go through the stuff and look on ebay and then post stuff like i sold a lot of stuff yeah um i dumped an entire storage bin of beanie babies at goodwill because they're useless i just i i have this like weird thing in the back of my head where and I know it's totally false, but I think Toy Story really messed with me as a kid. <laughs> so you can't and it's get rid like <laughs> I can't get rid of them. I feel like I'm throwing away a soul and <laughs> and it's just not okay. Like I really need to figure that out. I need to deep dive on that. Did you did you like love your beanie babies or were they yeah. just like you did? Okay. I did. I loved my beanie babies. And I was like, it was like a full on obsession like a full-on obsession see for me all my childhood toys were like I mean I loved them I loved them but a lot of them were just like I just loved collecting also Mm. so the beanie babies were like I was like all right I can part with those but when I was going through all my childhood stuff I mean I have like all the original Power Rangers Zords all my original Ninja Turtles toys G.I. Joe and I was the kind of kid too that would like I would slowly take it out of the packaging I would keep the box no parts are missing. Like, oh my god! I actually surprised myself going through them. I'm like, this GI Joe set comes with like 72 missiles, and there are 72 <laughs> missiles here. What kind of child? <laughs> like, horrible! What a horrible kid! That's pretty I never amazing. With my toys. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty amazing. I know I have like a a Cinderella carriage that's still Ooh. in the box. I think. Well, that's cool. I mean, Disney stuff is Disney stuff. Disney is, stuff is great. Yeah. So tell me about how you got involved in um in acting because it sounds like you've been doing it for quite a long time and yeah, yeah. so gosh I, I actually was just looking at my SAG card and I think I'm coming up on like my 21st anniversary of being in dude me too nice nice well I I started up in I grew up in Northern California so I grew up in the East Bay area like 20 miles east of San Francisco in a little city called mm-hmm. Pinole and I just I always wanted to be an actor. Like I literally do not have a memory of not wanting to perform or like watching a show and being like, I want to do that. And Mm -hmm. I always asked my parents if I could take classes and all that stuff. And it wasn't until I was 16 years old. um, I got a gift certificate to an acting school in San Francisco, this this acting school called Kids on Camera. (laughs) And it was actually, it was phenomenal. The place is phenomenal. I'm pretty sure it's still there to this day. Um, a lady named Judy Berlin was the owner and operator of that. Um, she had really fantastic coaches. And so, yeah, so that's that's like what where I started. Um, mm. The kid actually speaking of to- Toy Story, um, the original voice of Andy in the first Toy Story uh, like came from that acting school. So that was oh, like, wow. like Andy came from here. And the yeah. guy who the guy who played Jimmy Olsen on. Lois and Clark. Do you remember Lois and Clark? 
the I, you know it was a little no. little before my time okay. but okay but <laughs> i know of it okay yes so it was this like superman show um dean kane was superman terry hatcher was lois lane and the kid who played jimmy olsen also went to this acting school so you know okay. they, had, they had like a lot of claims to fame right um so yeah so i took classes there for uh for a few years and pretty much like right after i started um the like an audition came through and my teacher uh who was named david rosenthal was one of the teachers there um he was like hey you know we had this audition come through uh do you want to audition for it and it was a voiceover audition uh Mm. to be the teen voices in all the macy's back to school radio commercials that were like oh wow yeah so i was like yeah and i ended up (laughs) getting this thing Oh my gosh. Um, it's how I got Taft Hartley into SAG because some of them were not just radio. They were they ended up being TV spots too. I did probably like 30 commercials over Dang. the course of like two years. And it afforded- And that's back when like commercials actually paid well. Totally. Totally. So yeah, and I was like, you know, like by this time I was like 17, maybe 18 years old, but it was like, okay, I'm doing the thing, you know? And I like <laughs> I, I always knew I wanted to do I, I did I have done on camera, uh, but I also have always loved voiceover. So I knew I wanted to pursue that also, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so all like some of the money that I earned from those commercials, I saved up to get an animation demo, like a voiceover reel. Um, got myself all set up up there in San Francisco wow. and, and was there for until 2003 is when I, I think when moved you left. Down. Yeah, moved down. And to did you go to college for acting as well? So I did junior college up in Northern California for three years, and then mm-hmm. I actually um, went to Pepperdine, which is oh, down wow. here in SoCal in Malibu. And uh, yeah, I did I did theater and TV production as my oh. as my major there. What made you want to do TV production? Um, I just well, I actually up in the Bay Area, I worked for a TV production company as like an intern. Fun. <laughs> I, I booked a commercial, uh, an on camera <laughs> commercial, uh, for this this Gatorade type drink called Cytomax. It was the, it, yeah, it was, it was the, the sports drink that sponsored the Oakland Raiders. Amazing. The production company that shot this commercial also shot the morning pregame shows on Sunday mornings for the oh. Oakland Raiders. We just had such a fun time on set. They were like, Hey, would you want to come work at our company? And I was like, <laughs> sure. I, okay. Might as well. Yeah. So I had done a little bit of TV production up there and I didn't want to just I don't know I didn't want to go to school just for just for acting I I thought you know I might as well expand my horizons a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, in all honesty in hindsight I probably wouldn't have done either of those things I probably would have done like marketing or business or something that could have been applied to like the business side of acting right right (laughs) Um, but yeah yeah so Pepperdine and I graduated in uh, 05 05 are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. 
With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And then what? Did you just start? Were you doing voiceover while you were still in school or did you kind of put it on hold? Yeah, no, I started as soon as I got down to L.A., I got set up right away with an agent. Um, (laughs) I feel like like stuff like this doesn't happen anymore. But I was in Samuel French, which actually you can't be in anymore. Oh, I miss that place. I know. I was in Samuel French, uh, which, you know, if you're listening and you don't know what that is, uh, it was a, a bookstore that had like, you know plays scripts any any and all things film tv theater related yeah, anything you needed um i was in there uh picking out a play just to read and someone mm. was like hey are you do you have representation and i was like oh my god no <laughs> and so <laughs> that's how i got my manager that i was with for a very long time um, wow and that uh yeah so i started when i was in school and tried to just get things going right away Mo- most of what i booked at the beginning was on camera commercial Mm. Um, I was doing like, I don't know, like 10 commercials a year or something. Holy crap. Yeah. This was like, man, if I Good could. Good old days. Yeah, if then me could talk to me now, I would be yeah. like, or no, vice versa. If I could talk to myself then, I would yeah. be like, dude, you have it so good. You have enjoy, it so good right now. Enjoy it while it lasts because things are <laughs> going to change. 
that things are going to go in a different direction. <laughs> yes. Um, so how long until you started working on like bigger projects? Because I read that, I mean, you were in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, which yeah. is really cool. Is that the first like big thing that you consider your breakout? Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, yeah, definitely. I would definitely say uh, Clone Wars was that for me. Um, really, you know, I kind of bounced around to different agencies for, mm. gosh, probably about 10 years uh, yeah. when I first moved to L.A. And it, it was an interesting journey because, you know, everybody like I mean, of course, you expect the best and you want the best from your agents. Mm-hmm. And they want the best from you. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. And I I'm currently repped by CESD for voiceover. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, my career changed 1000% uh, when I signed with CESD. I mean, within a month, I had booked a Disney pilot and wow. I, I booked an animated series that LeBron James was producing. Holy crap. Um, which, I mean, not a lot of people heard about. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was still cool. You know, I got to meet LeBron and yeah. uh, Mark Cuban was involved. Like they had a nice. like, massive premiere party, which almost doesn't ever happen for animation. Um, so that was really cool. But then, yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars, Clone Wars. Um, I booked three episodes on that show. And I mean, they, it was such a cool experience. Well, first of all, that audition, uh, as with a lot of voiceover auditions, you don't really know what you're auditioning for. They'll give mm. you like character description. Um, you know, they'll tell you a little bit vaguely about the show, but it's never really exactly what the show's about. It's always some like code words. So <laughs> I booked this job. I didn't know it was multiple episodes. So I booked a job. I get to the studio. I'm kind of sitting in the lobby. And um, this production assistant walks out and hands me a piece of paper. They're like, oh, hey, so great to see you. We're so glad to have you. Da, 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 da. I'm like, thanks so much. They're like, we'll be right back. And I go, okay. So I'm just chilling. Me by yeah. myself in this studio. Kind of like the first, you know, bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, seemingly you can just tell by the studio. It's like a bigger thing. Right. And I look down and I'm reading this letter and it's it says, uh, dear Mr. MacArthur, on behalf of George Lucas, we'd like oh to God. welcome you to the Star Wars family. And I was like, did you just crap oh yourself? I was, <laughs> yes. I was literally like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I looked around. I'm like, OK, there's nobody around. I stepped outside and I called my parents. I was like, I booked Star Wars. I'm going to be on Star Wars, Clone Wars on Cartoon Network. Um, and if, oh, my like, God. I, I walked back into the waiting room, which was now packed with like voiceover royalty d bradley baker was in there wow um james arnold taylor was in there um and if people listening don't know who these people are uh d bradley baker is in everything animated (laughs) that you've ever heard um james arnold taylor was obi-wan kenobi on all the clone wars um and yeah he uh that must have been such like a, a shell shock it was crazy it was crazy it was one of those like Oh my God, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? I don't belong here. Yeah. I don't belong here. It's like here. immediately you want to throw up and then you're like, do I, are you sure that I'm supposed to be here? <laughs> yep. Yep. Should I leave? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a very, very cool experience. And then, and then after that, I feel like the momentum just slowly kept building. And, yeah. Um, and that's usually all it takes is that one, one thing. And then all of a sudden, the ball is just rolling and you're able to get the next thing and the next thing after that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's still, it still can, you know, take some time in between as you know, but like, it's just how it goes. And I always, I always, people are always like, Oh, what's your, what's a bit of advice for somebody who's 
who's acting or starting acting or, you know, and I, I always say perseverance is the key. Like mm-hmm. if you want to do it, you just have to be here and you have to keep doing it. It's true. It's true. I, I was a child actor and it's interesting to have grown up in the industry. And once I hit that like 20 year mark or 20, you know, 20 years old mark. Yeah. Um, I watched people start to fall off. People that I had spent, you know, 10 years going to auditions with suddenly decided to take their lives in different directions, which, you know, yeah. all, all good. But it was just interesting to watch that dynamic of like people starting to be like, nope, I'm not doing it. It's not for me. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but for me, that totally trips me out. It's weird. Like my my very, very best friend, I, we went to college together. Everyone else sort of faded off. And he and I were like, no, dude, we're here. Like we're still doing this thing. And yeah. he, he works a ton. He's a a Muppeteer for Henson Studios. Oh my gosh, how fun. He he does a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden in October, he was like, hey dude, I gotta tell you, we're moving to Nashville. I'm like, what? What? No, everybody, like, what the heck? But uh, yeah, so it it trips me out. Um, It trips me out too, because it's just, it's it's such an interesting lifestyle to choose in the first place, right? Because you know that as an artist, it's going to be, your life is going to be a little bit more chaotic. Right. It's not going to be the simple go to work every day, come home, do right. the dishes. It's not that. Yep. It's like, yeah, I'm going to work once this month and then maybe not for the next two months. So let's be smart. Right. So it's already, it's already an interesting choice. And then when people leave, it just, it I don't know, it just feels so bizarre it's also a choice that i don't think i could ever make i don't think i could either i'm I'm also very much like a all right guys we're all in this together right <laughs> right looking around right hey yeah no no you're the last I'm one alone. standing dang it <laughs> <laughs> oh dang my it. gosh <laughs> so um on this show i like to have actors share stories uh from auditions you know either things that you'd didn't get that you wanted or weird auditions, funny auditions, heartbreaking things. Uh, Do you have a story that you would like to share with us? Yeah, I'll tell you something that haunts me still to this day, and I think it's truly heartbreaking. Oh, my God. I love it. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I mentioned earlier this manager found me in Samuel French, and uh, he had a lot of really amazing clients. Um, A lot of people who were with him when I was with him have gone on to, like, be nominated for Oscars and things like wow. this. Like these people are working. Um, Colton Haynes was in there at the time, mm-hmm. Dave Parker, um, like just a ton of people who work all the time. So it was like, you know, I was set up for success. Right. Um, and I also said I was in school at the time. So I was going to school at Pepperdine um, during this time. And sometimes I would have multiple auditions a day and classes in between. So I would be driving from Malibu out to Warner Brothers and then I would drive back for a class, get a call back, have to drive back out to Warner Brothers. Or... Which, if you don't live in Los Angeles, oh. it's that is the worst because traffic is the worst. It's crazy. And going from West Hollywood or Hollywood all the way to Malibu is a nightmare. It, it could be like two. It could have been like two and a half hours sometimes to mm. get from one place to the other, depending on traffic. So <clears throat> I uh, got an audition for Cold Case, which. Oh at the time was like the hit show. I think it was CBS. It was like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like a CSI or one of these just like big procedural shows. Um, uh, It was known for having like 
auditions that were crazy for actors, like 12 pages of sides, Mm -hmm. giant monologues. They had all these, they just like, it required a lot. They were always emotional. Like the guest star characters were always like breaking down and bawling by like page eight of your sides. (laughs) So I'm very excited. Like to me, that's exciting. I, I, it's a fun challenge as an actor to get material like that. So I get this audition for cold case and it was for this sort of like, not really who I am kind of character. Um, more of like this punk alternative kind of kid. Hmm. Um, he was like 16, but when I was in my early 20s, I was still auditioning for stuff that was <laughs> like 16, I, 17. Listen, I'm 28 <laughs> and I still get auditions for 20. I don't know what it is. That's amazing. <laughs> so I was like, this is this is cool. Um, and I had done an indie movie up in San Francisco where this was sort of the kid, sort of a similar kind of kid. And I was like, I, I got this. Mm. So I drove out to CBS and did my audition. And in my audition, the casting director was like, you, you're this guy. Like there, wow. there's no doubt you're, this is, this is you. He goes, all right, um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to memorize these additional sides. Cool. So on top of like the 12 pages, he gave me another, <laughs> here's like another 10. Pages. I was like, cool. I'll perform the entire script for you in my audition. But, <laughs> but seriously, I was like, this is awesome. That had never happened to me before. He was like putting his arm around me. He's like this. He's like, I'm so grateful you're here. I'm so thankful. Um, So they actually were like, go out into the hallway, work on those extra pages and just hang out for a bit. Mm. So I did. So I went, hung out for a bit. Um, then I came back in. Producers were there. Okay. Boom. Like, oh, this is amazing. Producers are already here. Great. So I did my audition. The producers clapped at the end of my audition. They're like, that's amazing. Which, by the way, this never, ha- this like doesn't happen anymore. You're like, no. do your auditions from home and whatever. This was like, it was amazing. I felt like I was already part of the team. They were, yeah. it was just amazing. So they're like, okay. Uh, one of the producers couldn't be there. They're like, oh, this person really wants to be able to see you. Can you can you just um, like we'll call. We'll probably have you come back. And I was mm. like, OK. Um, and I was like, oh, do I drive all the way back out to Malibu, whatever? But this was like maybe like 1 p.m. or something like that. So still plenty of time left in the day. Oh, so, yeah. So I cruise back to Malibu and I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything for the rest of the day. And I was like, ah, oh, that's such a bummer. Um, I thought that, you know they would at least, I don't know, I would hear something, right? Right. So like 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m. comes and my phone rings and it's my manager. And I'm I'm getting the like the nervous feeling that you get when you're about to get a call that you booked something. Yeah. I'm very excited. And my manager goes, dude, where are you? What? And I go, in my dorm? And he goes, Ugh. and I go, what do you mean? Where am I? Why would I be anywhere else than where I am right now? <laughs> oh my god! And he's like, "Dude, you had a call back at seven forty-five p.m. at CBS." What? And I go, "Nobody told me." I was like, I check. I looked at my email. I was like, "I have no email. I have no text. I have no call. You didn't tell me." And he goes, "What do you mean, no one?" And I heard him pause, as if he realized. Somebody forgot to tell me in that office. And then he tried to play it off like it wasn't a big deal. I couldn't get back over there, and they ended up casting someone else for the part. Oh, my God. And I feel like 
I really feel like that one audition. Now, of course, anything can happen at this point. You never know. There, this is the fun thing about LA is you just never know what you're going to get an audition for, and you could be perfect for, and then your entire life changes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I feel like not booking that episode, which again, I like. There's I. There was no reason for me to believe that it would have been any other way based on the reaction in the room and what they were telling me. Yeah. That the trajectory of my career might be a little bit different today. Like I might be able I might be working more on camera. Right. Than VO. So Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Cause that was like that's not even like something that was like, oh no, they went another way because they didn't like you. It's like, no. No, that and they, they loved you. <laughs> they, t- they told me that they were really disappointed I didn't make my audition, and that oh my god, like, crushed me because I'm like, this wasn't my fault. This wasn't my fault, and nobody's really apologizing to me either. That is such a punch in the gut. Yeah, the gut and the butt. I got, <laughs> I got butt punched. I got butt punched by Hollywood. <laughs> oh man, that's awful. Yeah. That was bad. I know. I know. Sorry. So yeah, I don't really. I, that's not a crazy audition story. It's just a truly. That's truly heartbreaking. Heartbreaking one. <laughs> that's oh man. I remember Cold Case too, and I think I was like a kid when I would have auditioned for that show, and I remember exactly what you're saying. It was like, it was always such a long audition. Yeah. So many pages. Yeah. yeah and it was a good show. Oh. It was a good show. It was a really good show. I put so much work into that audition. Mm. And, you know, you know when you know, too. Like, you know when yeah. you go and crush something, you're just like that. I couldn't – even no matter what direction they go, I crush that. Right. There's, there's like, two auditions that I found that, that seem to happen to me. It's either you, like, go in and you crush it and you're like, hell yeah – I got that in the bag and then you don't get it. And then the other one for me is I don't really care about this. So I'll just do my job and do the, the audition and then you book it. Of course. You don't care. Totally. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I've had those two. <laughs> I've had those two. It's like they can they can sense it. They're like, oh, she just she just wants a job. OK, cool. Have we'll you give it to her. Have you seen Krampus, the movie Krampus? Yes. OK, so I voiced some of the evil gingerbread men, and then nice. some of the evil elves in Krampus. Oh, my God. That audition was ridiculous. Like, there was literally no script. It was like, we need you to sound sort of German, sort of not, <laughs> kind of angry, uh, like you're working on something at a fast pace. And I remember looking at that like, what, what? does this even mean? And I went into that audition. I'm not kidding you. When I was done. I looked at the the, in, the audio engineer at the agency and I was like, well, that was, uh, I did that. That was a thing that I just did. All right. Talk to you later. And then I booked it and, you know, Krampus was, it's sort of, it's still, I, I think still sort of uh, headed towards that kind of cult classic. Oh yeah. Trajectory. I can definitely see it becoming a cult classic with like in yeah. the next five years. Yeah, totally. So that was, that was a fun one. <laughs> oh my gosh i love that auditions like that are always so funny it's just like do this but then don't do this and then also do that and you're just like okay yeah to me, to me i will do yeah, that then. I, I will do what i think you mean by saying that yeah. <laughs> it's so true um before i let you go i just want to talk to you real quick about uh star versus the forces of evil because you're a funko pop character and that oh is so gosh. cool that was yeah that's pretty wild that's pretty wild. As soon as the Funko hit, I was like, all right, I have achieved my lifelong dream. And yeah. now I can retire, but I'm not going to retire. 
(laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like, that's, that's amazing. As soon as you have a doll of a character that you've done, like that is like prime. Well, what's cool cool too is like a, a lot of Disney, a lot of Disney TV originals, like Disney TV animation originals, don't actually have a lot of merch. Of mm-hmm. course, stuff that's like a legacy projects like DuckTales, like you'll see right. merchandise for that. But Star vs. the Forces of Evil didn't have a ton of stuff. So when Funko was like, oh, yeah, this show's crazy and a hit, let's make some stuff. It was it was also really exciting for the fandom because they they lost their mind. That is so flipping <laughs> about cool. The Funkos. Yeah, it's cool. So cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people follow you on social media? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, even though, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all at the same thing, um, at Ninja Mac. So N-I-N-J-A-M-A-C. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. It was so fun to talk to you. You're awesome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the show. Tune in next week. I'll have somebody else on just as I always do. Make sure to rate and review the show wherever you're listening to it right now. Hit that subscribe button. Get the word out. And uh, as always, thanks for coming in. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.